Welcome back. Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for our lack of insight and for basic opinion. Today is June 16th, 2021. This is episode 321. Uh, my name is Scott Magnus. And this is Jake English. On this week's show, well, we'll talk about the Orioles' rotation. And we'll also, well, we'll talk about lighting our own fires, if you know what I mean. They were already burning. That's, that's not what I mean. No, that's not what I mean. We'll talk about lighting fires. Uh, and we'll do that right after we leave with the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, uh, what are you drinking this evening? Scotty, I'm giving a second chance to this 1812 American Pale Ale from the Maryland Beer Company. I will say it, it is um, it is growing on me, but I'm, it's still not one of my favorites. It's uh, I'm, I'm warming to it, but only to uh, to finish the... Uh, so that is not going to be your baseball beer for next season? No. 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 Uh, I'm doing a Samuel Smith Organic Chocolate Stout. Um, You're doing that on purpose? I don't have many beers left in the fridge, so uh, I need to pick some up this weekend. Uh, I was going to say, it sounds like a nice summery beer. Uh, definitely not a summer beer, but um, it's all right. Um, I've had worse. Um, if you want to know what we're drinking on a daily basis, follow us on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at Jake E 4025 And with that, let's go on over to the medical way. Time for your checkup. Check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. It's okay if you giggle. This will only take a little. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. All right, so uh, some interesting names hit the medical wing this week. Uh, I want to start off by... Uh, talking about some names that came out today from Mike Elias, who met with the media today. Uh, the first one was uh, number two pick Heston Kerstad, um, who was reported of basically experiencing recurrent inflammation with his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously this is something that held him out at the end of last season. It's something that held him out at the beginning of this season. Uh, Mike Elias said this is still a situation that we feel will be a matter of time. This is just a bump in the road. Uh, hopefully it's not a bump on the heart. Um, it just doesn't sound good. Yeah, here's the thing. Baseball aside, at first you're concerned for the human being, right? We, we want Kerstad to be okay. Um, and and heart conditions can be very serious and, and no joking matter. So we, we want to make sure, you know, person first, uh, we, we worry about that. Secondly, you know, it is disappointing that someone drafted that high, um, you know, is experiencing another delay. And I think at at the very best case scenario, you know, hopefully we're dealing with somebody whose major league development is slowed and somebody, you know, who maybe we don't see as, as soon as we had hoped. You know, worst case is much, much different than that and has to deal with, you know, life and, and death matters. So I, I hope we're dealing with the best case scenario of just, you know, how quickly can this player um, you know, come to fruition at the major league level. If for some reason, you know, Kerstad's development is not going to happen, if this health situation is not going to allow him to become a productive major league player, you know, at that point you have to look back at the organization and say, you know, are we doing enough where losing one high draft pick like this isn't going to cripple the organization? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before in terms of, uh, the Major League Baseball draft, it's certainly a crapshoot, um, but certainly you don't want to lose the number two pick uh, in, in, in any draft uh, as a potential basis. Uh, another one that came out from a, a name was uh, number three prospect D.L. Hall, who felt some soreness in the back of his pitching elbow. You stop it. You take that back. Uh, that did not happen. At, you know, he had an MRI, no structural injury, but uh, has some tendonitis and inflammation, so clearly the next John Means at this point. Oh, God. Um, he's going to rest for a couple weeks. Um, and then they'll get him back out there and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, again, not good news for one of your top prospects. Well, Scott, why, cannot, why can we not have nice things? Uh, this is Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods have no mercy. They will not save us. I, I ask for so little, and I'm, I'm getting it. I'm yeah. getting it. Yeah, just 
it's bad news about. Um, you know, going into the major league um, area, um, you know, Michael has reported that Chris Davis is back in Baltimore and will begin working with the team's medical staff throughout his rehab, uh, saying that he might be back by August, September doing baseball activities. You said major league, and I'm, I'm waiting for the major league player you're discussing. Oh, I meant the team's medical staff. Ah, yes. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. There has to be some good news somewhere. Um, John Means has begun to throw in progression um, as of yesterday um, at uh, in Sarasota. So that's kind of good news. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. That means he's back and ready to go, right? Uh, that means he's three to four weeks away. Oh. Um, and then the other news would be Anthony Santander. I uh, was out of the lineup for this evening. Um, kind of day-to-day. Um, I think he'll probably get back in there tomorrow evening. I think this was kind of being held out just to give him an extra day off. Um the only other individual that we, we didn't talk about yet was DJ Stewart, um, who kind of um, lost his humility uh, by falling uh, in left field last night. Um, he is also day-to-day and hopefully will recover. Oh, it's a, a, an ego contusion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are tough. Yeah. Those are tough. Well, is there any way else that you can ruin my day with the medical wing? Um, Brian Roberts, you know, joined the Yankees during his last season. I don't. Don't, yeah. don't, don't talk about this. I don't. Uh, no, I think that's about it for the, for the medical wing for this week. Well, then, let's let's close the door on medical talk that's depressing, and let's go to something a little happier, the Internet. The Internet clearly is filled with joy, good news. happiness, and goodness. Let's, Absolutely. Let's go to uh, the, the Orioles baseball in 280 characters or fewer in this week on the Twitters. Scott, if we're going to do this week on the Twitters, we have to include Matt Kremitzer. It's, it's in our contract. Um, and so I want to pull a tweet. Well, let's just pick it random here. One, here's one from June 14th. Uh, Matt tweets as follows. Mike Elias punches O's fan in the face. O's fan responds, this is good for the rebuild. Scott, is humor still allowed on Orioles Twitter? Let me check. Yes, still allowed. My favorite part about this tweet it was not the tweet. It was the fact that he ended up following up on his own tweet saying, fans responding to this with an apparent need to defend Elias only makes it funnier. Absolutely. Guys, don't turn on one another. The season is bad enough. Yeah. Uh, Next update came out that, uh, you know, MLB's all-star ballot updates uh, came out for the first time. um, And Melly Newman had this to say, this is a crime and you should be voting for Cedric forever. Hashtag ASG, hashtag Orioles. Um, and it was in regards to Cedric Mullins being uh, number 10th in AL outfield voting right now behind the likes of, you know, Michael Brantley, Alex Verdugo, uh, Randall Grichuk, uh, Adorius Garcia, Byron Buxton, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout. Uh, so a cornucopia of individuals at this given point. All right. So clearly Cedric Mullins is having a great season. Absolutely. And, and clearly he is playing all-star caliber baseball. Yes. I will say, I'm not surprised that he is not being voted in to starter status. Because, again, this is Baltimore. Uh, but I will say 10 feels a little low. Seems a little low. I For mean, anybody paying attention to baseball. I would think that he'd be closer to you know, maybe five or six. Sure. Give or take. When somebody's having that good a season, you vote for your own guy, you vote for you know, a name, and then you vote for the guy that's having a really good season. No, I mean, if you're a Yankees fan, you vote for your Yankees, and then you vote for your Red Sox. If you're a Red Sox fan, you vote for your Red Sox, and you vote for your Yankees fans, because that's what's on ESPN, and that's what I want to support. Yikes. I I, I do think this is on us. Agreed. I I, I think this is our fault, and I say that because Baltimore has a metropolitan area of, what, 2.7-ish? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, 2.7 million people in the Baltimore-Columbia metropolitan area. And if you think that you, Baltimore Orioles fans, do not have a say in this, I will, I will give you as evidence Kansas City fans stuffing the ballot. Absolutely. If Kansas City can stuff the ballot to basically start the entire All-Star game, you can get Cedric Mullins to top five status. No question. Like I said, uh, with enough commitment, you can, you can definitely do that. Um, next tweet comes from Rock Tobacco. You should know where to follow Rock. Um, but he tweets as follows that uh, Dean Creamer uh, will be recalled by the Baltimore Orioles. All right. Uh, another arm to basically throw out there. Another fresh arm. It's an, it's an arms race, and we've got one more. 
We do. We've got one more, and uh, we're going to continue to see this option recall shuttle go back and forth, back and forth. Fresh meat is here. Fresh meat is here. Scotty, I want to bring attention to a tweet that I feel is important. It's comforting not only as an Orioles fan, but it's comforting as a content creator. Uh, this is a tweet from Suspetus Family Barbecue, who, of course, tweet at Suspetus BBQ. And the tweet is as follows. I'm an Orioles fan. So clearly this is Jake speaking. I'm an Orioles fan. They don't win too many ball games. Cheering for a bad team can be tough, but it doesn't have to be. So I wrote a cheering for a bad team survival guide. Eight tips for how to actually enjoy things if your team stinks. I love this because it's good advice. I also love it because I feel like every once in a while we, we try to say, okay, how does one root for a bad team? It makes me feel, feel good that other people are thinking the same thing. Now, you should go out and read this thing. It's on Fox Sports. I don't want to go through point for point here, but, Scott, I felt so... Spoken to? I, 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 I felt seen. I felt seen, Scott, and I just want to pick out number number three here. How does uh, that feel after like sixteen years of marriage? <laughs> it's weird. It's it's just weird. Uh, number three is know when to go to bed. Okay. And Jake writes, I cannot tell you how many times I've been faced with the following scenario. It's ten thirty p.m. and my beloved Orioles are holding on to a slim lead in the late innings against a great team. The win probability charts say that the birds have a fifty-five percent chance of pulling out a victory, but the bullpen has been overworked so they're relying on the B-Squad. And the Yankees have Judge, Stanton, and Glaber coming up. That one-run lead might as well be an eight-run deficit. Yes. Yep. I feel this in my bones. This could be written on your gravestone, Jake. It could. It just might <laughs> if this keeps happening. So, Jake, thank you. This is uh, you're doing the Lord's work. Sad, depressing, but accurate. Oh, good stuff. Um. Well, you know, yeah, Orioles baseball certainly uh, can be depressing at some times, and sometimes you need to know how to root for a bad team. Um, this week certainly wasn't the easiest to do so. So uh, let's go around the bases and try to figure out what were some good things and some bad things that came out of Orioles baseball in the past week. All right, Scotty, if we're going to go around the bases, I think we are required by contract to start at first. So let's go to first base. I'm calling first five alive after winning the first, or after winning just five games in May. The Orioles started the month of June four and one, almost the same. But uh, since then, not so good. The Orioles did win a game, so they, they got uh, to their fifth, but uh, they've lost six in a row. And uh, though it is unlikely that they'll go winless in the rest of June, things don't look fantastic. Look, they, they have this four-game series against Cleveland that they're in. Uh, they, they have seven games against the Blue Jays. They have six games against the Astros. And coming into that stretch, those teams were a combined 547 as far as a win percentage is concerned. Uh, so clearly those teams are better than the Orioles. But the real question is this. Can the Orioles just get regular beat? Or are they going to be run out of the gym beat for the month of June? What do you think? Um, so, I mean, I, I look at those teams, I look at the games, and I say, you know, in those 17 games, I think the Orioles do okay. I think they go 5-12. and 12. That's not okay. Why is that not okay? I mean, it's you win 10 games in the month. Like, that's not terrible, right? I mean, it's not, you know, it's not good, but it's not may so you don't get like run out of the gym it's just you know you get stuffed into a locker and you get given a wedgie i mean what's wrong with that that's how i lived high school so you're saying that this will be a unpleasant but not free fall month yes i'm saying it's going to be an unpleasant uh and i think specifically that stretch against the blue jays and the astros is going to be rough <laughs> is the best way to put it um but i, I don't think it's gonna be free fall now i i hear you yeah I want to agree with you. My heart says yes. All right, well, let's move on to the next segment. So, But my heart says yes, but we are mired in a six-game losing streak yep. with the Orioles losing 8-7 as we record at this moment. A and a 17-game uh, loss streak on the road as well. 
and it is difficult to to see your way out of that. It, we we get to the point where we follow this team on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We podcast about this team on a weekly basis. I know what is wrong with us. We, we are invested. <laughs> We're invested fans. Yeah. And yet we get to the point where I can't remember the last time the team won the won a ball game. Uh, they won. Um, mm-hmm. they won against the Mets. That's great. The amount of time from those <laughs> words leaving my lips to you coming up with that answer is inappropriate for Major League Baseball. It is inappropriate. There's no question. That there's various things inappropriate that come out of my mouth. I completely agree. <laughs> it's just not fun. That's the thing. You know, we we talked about it with the huge, you know, the 14 game losing streak that they had. Is that you know it's not just that losing streak. It's the winning a couple games and then going into the next losing streak and then the next and the next. Ah, oh, it's just it hurts my heart, Scott. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it becomes numb uh, to basically, you know, follow the team, um, you know, be able to, you know, since get it. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before in terms of, um, you know, interacting with office colleagues, which again, Jake, you no longer have to do. No. Um, but it's extremely annoying. And I know you can, you know, resonate with this of people coming to me like, wow, the Orioles aren't doing very well, are they? And so it's like, I don't need to be reminded that they're not doing well. You can like, rub a little salt in that wound. That'd be great. But they're like, well, let me interact with this person. And by interacting with them, I will, in essence, make mention that your team is terrible. And so it's like, thanks. I literally am going to go home tonight and watch it again because this is my life. It's misery and woe. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I understand the aspect, and it's really easy to kind of check out through that process. But I asked that question of like, you know, is it okay to maybe check out of it? Just like Jake was mentioning of like, it's okay to go to bed. Is it okay maybe to not watch every single game? Is it okay just to turn into a box score? Is it okay just to watch some of the highlights? Is it okay to look at some of the gifts on social media? Um, is it okay not to, in essence, live and die by every game? I mean, the the emotionally mature answer is, of course. Yeah. Um, the Jake English version. Is. Yeah, I'm not sure that I am that emotionally stable person. But the only reason that I, I struggle with that question is that the obvious answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But I want to know at what point is, is you know, protecting yourself emotionally and, and checking out a slippery slope. Sure. You know, at what point do you check out, you know, to the point where you're not damaging yourself versus just checking out altogether. And I feel like, you know, the minute you start uh, accepting not caring, uh, is the minute that you cease to care. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree that it is definitely a slippery slope in that given regard. If I knew how to do this, you would a, do it in a way that was emotionally stable and mature and societally functional. You'd I do would, it. I would do it in yeah. a heartbeat. But, but that's just not the guy I am. But but to say you don't know how to be mature, you don't know how to be responsible, and you don't know how to control your actions. Um, yeah, all I of these things are accurate. I. I, I feel like this is therapy at this point um let's we let's ha- we leave. have done that on this show before where we've actually had a, a jake english therapy session so um you know maybe we need to resurrect that as it were let's leave first base because I, I feel like i feel like we've gone to a dark place on first base and so clearly second base has to be be it has to be better right it has to be better no right. doubt. what do you got what do you got a second uh, so at second base, um, you know, I've got Orioles pitching. Obviously, a bright spot in the ever darkness of Orioles baseball. All right, this is um, this is not the direction I was hoping for you to go. So we talked about that kind of you know not paying attention, numbing it. Um, you know, I think when John Means was still pitching, I think everyone was turning in every single five days and saying, "I want to see John Means pitch." You got something good to watch for. I've got something good to watch. I want to see what's going on. I know there's something special going on here. Um, and that's just not there's no hitter. That was uh, the majority of his games. John Means Day was just fun. Correct. And um, that was ripped away from us because mm. um, Jake English got remarried um, and I uh, went on a honeymoon. Um, and in that you know span, John Means was hurt. Um, I broke John Means' heart. You did breach out. And, and shoulder. Absolutely. Left shoulder. At least you didn't break the knees and toes. Knees and toes. All right. So uh, <laughs> the rest, of the, the rest of the rotation though is is I mean just fine without him, right? He, we're just we're getting along just fine. Absolutely. I mean, um, let, let's talk about number two in the rotation, Matt Harvey. Uh, when we were talking to Alex Fast, what was it, three or four weeks ago at this point, we were talking about John uh, about uh, um, Matt Harvey being a trade chip, um, and he certainly hasn't been that case whatsoever. He has um, in essence fallen off the map um, over this past month. Um, Jake, I know you've got some numbers down here as it relates to some of the starts. 
Um, and I know you've been really harping on Matt Harvey in terms of how deep he is going into games. Um, why don't we go through some of those numbers as of recently? Well, I think that you're you're painting an unfair picture. You, All right, let, let's let's go back just through June. Let's just focus on June. Isn't that my job to paint an unfair picture? I mean, we we talk about he's had three starts in June. Yep. All right, June second gave up a single earned run. Okay. He pitched three innings. Okay. All right, I, I will admit that is problematic. Okay. Let's move ahead to to uh, June ninth. I bet it gets better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, three innings pitched. Okay, uh, seven earned runs. Beg your pardon. Seven. Not that, great. That's that's that's, that's what right. the number says. That's not good either. Okay. No. No. Wait. You got this. Another chance here. June fifteenth. Ha. Three point one innings pitched. He got a whole additional out, baby. There you go. Five earned runs. Oof. Oof. All, all kidding aside, it's just not. It's just not. Not good. Not doing it's well. Not, it's not working out. And the thing is, is like, I'm not mad at him. There's no malice here. I, I really, I really appreciate the fact that Matt Harvey seems to care so much. I really appreciate the fact that he is the person who is least satisfied with the results that are coming in. He's you know he's honest with the fans and the media after each of his starts. It is just you know worse than the last. He is hard on himself. I, like I. That's great. I, I like all of that. However, it still means that every fifth day he's awful. Yep. And I think the worst the worst part about it is that he's that bad and there's just no impetus to move him from the rotation. Who else would you put in there right now? Who else would you put in and what are you really costing this team? Right. If Matt Harvey were the problem on this team, that would be something. But he's not. Right. And it's it's a real bummer that that this is the kind of not good enough major league pitching that is allowed on this team. So you're saying this is not an Ibaldo Jimenez 2014 situation? Yeah, I mean, I almost would rather have an Ibaldo Jimenez at this point. I would rather have today's Ibaldo Jimenez, uh, the college graduate Ibaldo Jimenez, throwing than Matt Harvey. I mean, looking at his numbers, I, I will point out that we started at the beginning of the season and we said that it wasn't going to be sustainable. His BABIP was, you know, ridiculously low. Oh, and we were thrilled about him getting 4.2 innings. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and, um, you know, it certainly has uh, regressed, and actually I think it's regressed past the average point at this point where his BABIP is at 354. Um, but case per nine, 7.6, walks is 3.1. Um, you know, even from a FIP, though, in an XFIP standpoint, he's at 4.85 and 4.78. Again, I'm not saying good, but I'm also saying I don't think he's the 7.76 ERA that he's posting right now. Um, but I come back to your point, and I think you're absolutely right, Jake. There isn't anybody else that is better at this given moment that I'm like, yes, I want to throw that person in in, in replacement of Matt Harvey at this given time. When John Means comes back, I might be giving him some consideration to that, and maybe this is a good opportunity to figure out who is going to be that replacement for Matt Harvey um, when John Means comes back. Sure. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Let's, let's look at the rest of the rotation. Scott, I'm going to ask you this. Is it wrong of me to look at Jorge Lopez and say, well, he's actually been kind of okay? I'd say he has been um, April Matt Harvey. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> and I actually have numbers to support that. June 6th. Uh-huh. Five innings pitched. That's better than that's better than Matt Harvey. Five point zero. Okay. Three earned runs. Okay. Uh, June twelfth, four point two innings. That sounds pitched. more like Matt Harvey. Five earned runs. However. However. Asterisk. Mm -hmm. I would argue that the June twelfth start, he was incredibly unfortunate. Okay. Incredibly unfortunate with balls landing where they landed and his defense just not getting it done. So you're saying Babbitt. Yeah, yeah. I think that weighs out, too, because he had a 571 Babbitt in that game, um, which is certainly um, outlandish is the best way to describe it. Um, but if we look at the entire season for Harvey Lopez, 9.2 Ks per nine, certainly higher than Matt Harvey, 3.86 walks per nine, right around where Matt Harvey's at. Uh, 319 Babbitt, actually lower than what Matt Harvey is at right now. Um, and is posting a 4.84 FIP and a 4.1 XFIP. So FIP is about the same. 
XFIP is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at Jorge Lopez and I'm like, all right, we're definitely getting a more consistent result here. 28 years old um, compared to Matt Harvey's 32. Yeah, there could be something here. I, I think Jorge Lopez has been pitching to the point where he could be a fifth starter in this league. I agree with that. I do think Jorge Lopez is putting up um, fifth starter numbers specifically uh, in the AL East. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with, with stating that at this given point. I, I will say that John Mioli just wrote an article about him uh, because he got a red well, then he's something. Then he's the best person in the world if John Mioli wrote about him. Uh, John did say that, uh, you know, Lopez is doing okay, but said that, you know, in the future, with the stuff that Lopez has been showing, maybe he's a candidate to to become a reliever when the rotation is better. Yeah, and it's interesting because we've talked about Lopez before also in terms of how he gets hit pretty hard when he gets into, you know, the fifth inning, is a, sure. I think is the typical basis. Uh, and I know fo- some folks actually have said he seems like he'd be a great opener, like mm-hmm. Put him in there for three innings and then pull him. Um, it's an intriguing idea. An opener like uh, Matt Harvey. An opener like Matt Harvey. <laughs> but you know, I wonder: is it a situation with the Orioles' current you know bullpen woes that they have at this given time too? Could you pair him with somebody that is going to be a long man? Could you say, Lopez, we want you to go out there for three or four innings, and then we want to bring in someone that's a long man to go three innings as well, and it may not work out every single time, but we're in essence going to say you're always going to be pitching three or four innings, regardless if you give up seven runs one game or no runs one game. Um, and I think that's a conversation that I want to build on as we continue going through the names. Sure. I mean, it can't can't be worse than it is, right? Right. All right, next we've got uh, Bruce Zimmerman. You know, I, Bruce Zimmerman's in the rotation for now. Um, June 1st, he pitched 5.1 innings you know, into the sixth, uh, two earned runs. June 8th, five innings pitched with two earned runs. And June 13th, 5.2 innings pitched with three earned runs. At least of late, he's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same opinion that I I look at Bruce Zimmerman and I look at Jorge Lopez, and I, in essence, see a similar fifth starter potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think Bruce Zimmerman's been bad. I just would say he is non-existent. I mean, can you even think of a game that Bruce Zimmerman pitched in and you're just like, that was a Bruce Zimmerman game? He's been fine. He's been fine. I said, not not astronomical, nothing fancy, just he's been a body out there throwing pitches. All right. Also uh, in the rotation for now, um, Keegan Aiken. Yeah. Uh, June 4th, he pitched five innings, didn't give up an earned run. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, June 11th. Four innings pitched. That's that's good. That's great. That's good. Uh, three earned runs. Yep. Uh, and th- he pitched tonight. He pitched tonight. A lot of runs. A lot of runs. I think it was five and two thirds and seven earned runs last I checked. Um, so yeah, not so great. Uh, I think it was seventy percent strikes, but most of them were hit. Um, so yeah, uh, Keegan Aiken. Um, I would say it's really interesting with Keegan Aiken where it's he can show flashes like he did on June 4th where he's really good. Um, and then he just like loses control of the game and then gets it together again. Like I think John Mioli posted out tonight where um, he got like the first six batters out and then like the next like nine batters got on base. And then like he got the next nine batters out in row at that point, And then it kind of went up and down, up and down through the entire game. All I'll say about that is that I guess at this point, I would much rather see that kind of crap from Keegan Aiken than whatever the heck we are getting from Matt Harvey. So I think that's a great point because it, it comes back down to these are the kind of growing pains that you have to see Keegan Aiken go through in order to figure it out. And I don't think any of us think that Keegan Aiken is going to be a number one, a number two, or a number three starter. The question is, where does he slot at the back end of a rotation or is he a bullpen arm? And that's the question that a lot of these guys are asking is, Jorge Lopez, Bruce Zimmerman, or Keegan Aiken, are they a number four, are they a number five starter, or are they going to be a Tommy Hunter in the bullpen? And again, that's perfectly fine. Lots of value there. There's no issues with that. And again, people may be upset by that saying, well, if he's going to be that high of a ranked prospect, he needs to be able to be a top top pitcher. But that's not the case. That's not true. 
Um, in, in reality, if the Orioles are going to be successful um, and be a playoff team, they need individuals like Grayson Rodriguez. They need folks like D.L. Hall in order to truly be a playoff team. Otherwise, Keegan Aiken is not going to buoy your team into the playoffs. He might buoy the team. He might be and buoy during the playoffs. But So Dean Kramer came up. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Yes, uh, two days ago on June 14th, he went 5.1 innings with three earned runs. Again, yeah, that's, that's not bad. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But I, I'm curious. You know, we we talked about Aiken. We talked about Kramer. Where else, you know, do the innings come from if a guy like Harvey is jettisoned or one of these other guys can't make it? Uh, you know, and you look and you say, you know, a guy like Zach Lothar or a guy like Alexander Wells. I, I would say that those guys probably need more seasoning in in order to be able to come up and and be useful. I I don't think that they're ready. Uh, to, to make the jump. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think they need uh, a little bit more seasoning. I think they might make a spot start here or there, sure. but I don't think it's anything past that. But yeah, I would agree with you about that. Um, you know, we, we still have to rule five picks uh, on the team. Um, and we mentioned Jorge Lopez kind of being that opener. I think Tyler Wells was a really interesting name to kind of pair with someone that is only going to go three innings and just start stretching Tyler Wells out to go three innings um, every third day um, and just say, we're going to call on you. And, and again, if this season is about audition to see if we want to keep him in the organization, uh, you got nothing else to lose. And, and I would say, too, is you have gone far enough now, it's, it's mid-June, to basically see Tyler Wells through, Wells through the process. And it's not like Tyler Wells has been abhorrent. I mean, over the past week, he actually had a really nice week. Um, but over the season, you know, 10.74 K rate, uh, 2.32 walk weight. Um, BABIP has been really impressive. But, I mean, out of the bullpen, 3.77 ERA, 4.16 FIP, 3.78 XFIP. I mean, not bad. I mean, all things considering from a relief arm, those are some decent numbers. I'll take them from a from a Rule 5 draft pick uh, that is coming from AA, not from AAA, from AA. So, I, you know, I, I thought Tyler Wells had something, um, you know, and I thought that he was going to be the one that the Orioles were going to carry through the season. The Orioles obviously decided to bring two as opposed to one. Um, I still think Tyler Wells has something. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's uh, something amazing, but I do think it could potentially be a fifth starter, um, just like we were talking about as well. I also wonder if there's anything on the waiver wire, right, that that could give innings to a, a rotation that desperately needs. Abado Jimenez. All right, he he's he's getting a fair amount of mention yeah. in this particular game. Uh, get us out of second base. Let's let's go to third. Yeah, let's go to third base and um, let's talk about um, you know some of those top names. Um, you know, the big news that came out last week, and obviously, uh, if you haven't followed it on social media, I don't know what you've been doing. Um, but Grayson Rodriguez made his first home appearance uh, for the Bowie Bay Sox uh, last evening. Um, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag, honestly. Um, you know, four and two thirds innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one walk, six Ks. Nice K to walk ratio. Kind of got squeezed, kind of got a little babbipped out there. But it was really great seeing, you know, 5,000 plus fans come out, cheer him on. Uh, fans on Twitter did a really nice job kind of promoting this whole basis of uh, bringing gas cans to, to Bowie. Um, but yeah, like I said, just a really kind of good experience kind of seeing um, you know, what the organization is bringing up. I mean, on the season, as of last night, Bowie is now 25 and 10. Um, that's going to do well um, in, in any basis. Um, like I said, overall, the team didn't do very well last evening uh, with like Rutschman only go, going over three with a walk. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's really exciting to see that. Um, and it's really great to see the fan interaction, as it were, too, um, cheering on Grayson Rodriguez. And then also the fans all kind of coming together to kind of um, cheer on the future. It was very, very 2012-esque is the best way to put it. In Bowie. In Bowie, yes. In, in Bowie. Hey, if that's where the fun is, you go where the fun is. Yeah, and I know there were a lot of folks that popped down there that were podcasters, um, bloggers, and stuff like that. Um, you know, really appreciate the photos and everything that you guys put out there. Um, wish we could have got down there to see that game. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's 
good to see that. And also, I think it was really great because Grayson Rodriguez commented, he's like, he, he loved that atmosphere. I think it's just a good way to say, this is what it could potentially look like when you make that major league start. Um, and, you know, good things are coming around the corner, as it were. Yeah, the other interesting thing is that, you know, these guys aren't going to be universally successful, right? They're right. going to have off nights, They're whatever. I feel like they need to get as much of that out of the way and experience, you know, set in the minors as much as all of the success as well. Yeah. The one thing I do want to note that I think it was kind of funny was, um, you know, people are obviously hyped to watch Grayson Rodriguez pitch, um, and they were posting um, fastball velocity um, at the ballpark uh, at Bowie, and they're like, yeah, Rodriguez is going typically 99, he's touched 103 in some instances, and I'm like, whoa, 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 like, guys, like, that, that gun is extremely fast, like, it's probably four or five miles per hour faster than it needs to be, um, you know, let's let's not go crazy too quickly over here about guns in, in in minor league baseball. But with all the technology that is at Bowie, and I know there's a ton right now, why are they reporting incorrect velocity numbers in the stadium? Especially because, like, okay, 103 is ridiculous. Yeah. But if he's consistently hitting 96, 98, that's just as exciting. That's just as exciting. So I don't quite understand that. Um of that, you know, misreporting of information uh, within the ballpark, um, especially for an organization that is trying to push a more analytics, less statistical mindset. Um, I think it's important to bring the fan base along with that and uh, give correct data. So a, a minor little grievance on that basis in terms of the numbers that came out um, from last night's game. Um, but again, very minor. Like I said, folks, if you're not getting to Bowie to watch the Bay Sox play this season, Shame on you. You should be doing so. They've got a great team. Um, they are literally going to give you a, 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 a forecast of what the Orioles are going to look like um, going into 2022, and then more importantly, what 2023 is going to look like. Uh, so get to Bowie, attend a few games. Um, look like a great time uh, at the Bay Sox game and going from forward from that. Um, circling third, coming to home, though, got to address the elephant in the room. Um you know, after the game, um, there was a report that came out, uh, and it hit a few places, and I actually first saw it on Bleacher Report, um, but there's a uh, a Twitter account called Advocates for Minor Leaguers. Um, it's at M-I-L-B Advocates, and you may not be familiar with this, but I think you might be familiar with stories they have posted. So um, I think some folks are familiar with the, the A's uh, food program that they had for the minor leaguers, where, again, um, you know, they were took pictures of it, and basically um, the A's just said, hey... That can't happen anymore. We're going to get a new catering program as it relates to the Ace Minor League Baseball program. Um, and it's generally just this, you know, account slash organization that is going about and basically, um, you know, bringing about the various issues and justices, uh, treatment of individuals within minor league baseball. Um, and a report came out last night saying that um, they've been told that multiple layers on the Bowie Bay Sox are considering sleeping in their cars beginning tomorrow night. Um, we're told that members of the Bay Sox will receive $900 after taxes for their entire two-week homestand, uh, and they're on their own for housing beginning tomorrow at 11 a.m., and um, we're told that it'll cost them approximately 80% of that $900 to stay at the team hotel. Um, so obviously this had a massive amount of uh, reaction. Um, you know, when I took it just today, uh, about 142 replies, um, 1,700 retweets, so definitely grabbed the attention uh, of a multitude of individuals at that given time. Um, you know, a few hours after that, um, a tweet came out saying, you know, team officials informed Bowie players that they will be able to tell, obtain hotel rooms for about 40% of their homestand as opposed to 80% of their uh, homestand paycheck. Um, and, you know, the players have decided to eat that cost rather than sleep in their cars. Um, and then there was just indication that, you know, 40% is too high um, and that, you know, the typical salary is right about $15,000 per year. So, you know, it, let's give benefit of the doubt to the Baltimore Orioles. They have gone through this process, you know, through last season and up to this point in April and May as well and have been providing housing for minor league baseball players. So this isn't something that, you know, they haven't been doing to this point. This is something that, in essence, a new policy was implemented. Um, and basically 
you know, there was a change of direction previously for what has been done in months prior when COVID was you know, prevalent. Um, however, um, I don't know. It, it doesn't send a good look is the best way to put it. I, I think it, it is without question that minor league baseball players are not treated appropriately. I, I almost said like human beings and then scaled it back. We are we as a as a you know baseball fan community are okay with a ten billion dollar industry treating some of its employees borderline inhumanely. And I, and I say that because they aren't making a minimum wage. And, and in fact, that is by design. Correct. In 2018, the Save America's Pastime Act was shoved into an omnibus bill that kept the government open in the middle of the night and made it law that minor league baseball players are exempted from federal law regarding uh, minimum wage. We as a society have decided it's okay for major for minor league ball players to not have the same protections as anyone else, and we and we are okay with that because some of them will make it to the majors and be just fine. Yep, absolutely. We say, well, those guys are making millions of dollars, and um, you know it's it's a child's game as it is. So why should we be paying them that much money? Um, you know, and I'll I'll put. A, a tiny caveat on this, you know, I don't think Major League Baseball is that only beast that basically of, you know, the general populace ignoring a $10 billion company. I think there are plenty of $10 billion companies out there that sure. we have a tendency to ignore uh, the basis of uh, minimum wage being applied on a day and a day basis. And we continue to go in there and, um, you know, buy goods and merchandise from them because of the convenience factor for all of us. So, um, and I, I'm I'm equally guilty of that. I will I'll, I'll say that out loud. Like I said, I'm equally guilty where I go into several establishments where I probably should not be frequenting. But um, what can I say? The gentleman's club just calls me. Okay, I mean, well, and the other thing that comes from this is that you know a a tweet from uh from a handle like Advocates for Minor League for Minor Leaguers is clearly, um, you know, not uh, <laughs> it. it you know, cl- clearly not a non-passionate <laughs> or dispassionate sure. uh, account. They have a platform. Right. And, and you know, Michael Elias, uh, you know, his response to it, he said, well, I wouldn't call it a report, right? right. He, he references it as hearsay. And so I, I wish that it weren't, you know, I wish that it weren't claims by people that, you know, clearly have a, a, a position uh, that they're pushing that got, baseball fans at large to react, right? And, and and it seems like baseball teams only react when they're shamed and made to look bad, right? The, here that the Orioles are with questions about whether or not their housing is fair. Um, you know, the A's with the pictures of the food. I, I wish that the teams were simply doing the things that it took to not look bad ahead of time. Sure. Right? Um, and, and to be fair, the Orioles have done that to this point. So, I mean, we've, we've got to give them a little credit there. But, and I completely agree with you that um, Advocates for Minor Leagues is definitely an organization. It's definitely a platform. And, you know, I think this is an interesting basis of um, at what point does, what, what is reporting versus, you know, putting out, you know, um, you know, information received is the best way to describe it. And I also raised that question of like, you know, obviously this is known. It, there's no question about that. Um, how did no beat writer basically post this? Um, I know there were several beat writers there uh, on the evening when Grace Rodriguez was making his starting debut. Are you telling me that none of them heard this? I guarantee they did, but it's this basis of um, a comfortability factor maybe to basically say, do I really want to put this out there in order to ruffle feathers? They already had host families. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other aspect as it relates to it. I mean, Host families has been a common practice within minor league baseball, and it's a really interesting time as it relates to minor league baseball. You know, Jake, you talked about the Save America's Pastime Act. You talked about um, you know the Omni uh, Omni Bill uh, package and everything like that. But also, let's just think about this past year. We relegated and got rid of various minor league baseball teams in order to basically 
pull a bunch of minor league baseball teams in there to, in essence, what Major League Baseball said, provide a safer and uh, in a better environment for our minor league baseball players. But that does not include housing, and that includes the basis of we have to go and stay at a team hotel or a team hotel. You would think that would be pretty simple to basically build, I don't know, some college dorm-style housing um, at a complex of your choosing um, and just say, hey, guys, this is where we're going to stay when we're at home. When we're on the road, we're going to stay at a local motel. But otherwise, we're going to go ahead and stay at these at these accommodations um, during the during the year. Um, but no, there's there's no forethought on that given basis. So there are a plethora of issues, and you know I don't think this is ever going to be solved in the near future. I think the only way this ever gets solved, and I've talked about this before on this podcast many times, is if Major League Baseball players actually say we are going to stand up with our brothers in Minor League Baseball, and during our labor negotiations, we're also going to be looking out for Minor League Baseball at the same time. To date. Major League Baseball has not done that. Um, and that's the Players Association's issue. But you would think eventually, based off of how the game is moving, that maybe, just maybe, Major League Baseball Players Association will say, hey, let's also stand up for Miley Baseball because we all realized how tough it was to get here. And let's make sure that the folks underneath of us are taken care of as well. It would be awfully nice if uh, you know legislation that made things worse was also pulled back. I totally agree. Um, you know, I I don't want to get too political on this program. What? But uh, that's not even a partisan issue. That's just a human thing. I reiterate my previous statement. I don't want to get too political on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, doing the right thing um, would be obvious. Um, but as we have seen through various minimum wage debates over the past few weeks and months, um, what is obvious is not so obvious to certain individuals. All righty. I'm Andy Harris. We've, we've reached home. <laughs> it's time to get out of here. Scotty, let's take a deep breath, and let's see who won Fantasy Football. Oh, Scott, it is the melodious sounds. It is the melodious sounds of not who's the boss. And you know what that means? Yes, that's right. It's another win for Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I won last week's fantasy boss. The category was RBI. I went with Trey Mancini, who got three. Wow. Uh, Scott, you went with uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who had two RBI. Very in, impressive. In that week that we covered. Uh, they were both out RBI'd by the likes of Pat Vileka and Austin Wins. Wow, you both can really four. tell how bad our season's going. <laughs> Austin, uh, I think it was Kevin Brown on the broadcast that said that Austin Wins tied a major league record with the number of RBI on one swing. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's good stick right there. That, that tickles Jake just the right way. Delicious. Yeah. All right, so that takes the score for Fantasy Boss this season to 5-3 in my favor, and I'm back on the spot to select the category. Scotty, we're going to go to classic over under for uh, wins this okay. week. Wins by your Baltimore Orioles starting, oh, let's see. It is now um, Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yep. And we're, we're going to get back together and do this on Monday. There are no off days. Uh, and we haven't won anything uh, between now and last Wednesday. Okay, so that's... I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this, Scott. Over and under, one point five wins. Mm. So I've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So five games to win two games. I'm gonna go under. That's the smart pick. That's the smart pick. That's the smart. Pick. But I had to do math, and that's tough. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> so Scott takes the under. I'm gonna have to take so, the over. Just so because clearly, the Orioles are gonna win the next five games. <laughs> I have to take the over just because there's no under-under for me to yes. select. So, uh, again... Can you pick the trifecta? 
1.5 games. Scotty's taking the under. Who will own it? Uh, well, with that, um, let's go through this week and figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week. Scott, I have uh, I've done the math. Okay. Which is unusual for me. Yep. I've done the research. I've dug in. I've carefully reviewed mm -hmm. the past week of Orioles baseball. And I'm telling you, there's just not a whole lot that's been good. There's not very much at all. However, there are, there are two players that we can talk about. It's chalk. There are two players that we can take for good. And so we're going to have to figure out a way to divvy this up. I'll let you pick whichever one you want. No, I, we got to be fair about this. You want to do rock, paper, scissor? Absolutely. All right, ready? One, two, three, shoot. Up, I win, so I get to pick. pick. Uh, for the record, Scott just beat me with uh, rock over scissor. Absolutely. Uh, so clearly my good this week is going to go to Cedric Mullins, who continues to play out of his mind. Again, not a great uh, week this week in terms of weighted to run square plus at 84, but still has made some you know great defensive plays in the outfield. Um, some heads-up uh, stolen bases as well. Um, just playing really good all-around baseball. Um, so I, I fully expect that Cedric Mullins, you know, gets it back together again. I think he had a home run this evening as well. Um, so, yeah, Cedric Mullins, uh, he's my good for the week. Uh, I, I guess that, that leaves me with Trey Mancini, who um, did not suck. And, and I feel like that's a positive. That's the thing that, that you have to say. Um and stuff. Yeah, I mean the the thing is is that uh, you know Trey Mancini had a one twenty seven weighted runs created plus this past week. He's having a great season. You love to see it. Uh, and really outside of the two of those players, um, it's just all sadness and awful. All right, who's going to be your um your bad for the week? My bad for the week. Uh, again, way too many uh candidates. Uh, but. Prior to the injury, I was going to say Anthony Santander, who hadn't looked the same since he's been back. Yep. We prepped for the show originally on Monday and got sidetracked. Uh, but in the past week, he had he had had a 57 weighted runs created plus with a 28.6 K percentage, just three for 20. It's a 150 uh, 150 batting average. Yeah, just not good. Yeah, my bat's going to go to someone else that's just come back. Uh, and that's Austin Hayes. And he's got an 0 for going right now. Um, I haven't checked to see what he did this evening, but an 0 for since coming back is going to get you into the bad category every single time. So I, I'm sure Austin Hayes will get it turned around or he'll get injured again. Um, but for right now, he's bad. I love the optimism, Scotty. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, the ugly, I you know, again, I hate to go chalk here, but I, I'm just going to say simply Matt Hardy. Nice guy, but right now totally unwatchable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been bad. Uh, my ugly was um, the Brandon Hyde ejection. Um, you know, coming back and taking a look at that uh, ejection, clearly, uh, clearly uh, it was a swing. Uh, clearly it should have been a strike. Uh, and yet uh, Major League Baseball continued to get instant replay wrong once again. Uh, and Brandon Hyde was absolutely right to come out there and, um, you know, call it for what it is. Uh, it was BS. Um, it was HS. It was all kinds of S is the best way to describe it. Um, and it was good to see um, Brandon Hyde get a little fired up, as it were. You're saying he was more of a man than a Muppet? He was definitely more of a man than a Muppet this, this week. So uh, an ugly situation, but something that made me appreciate Brandon Hyde just a little bit more. Feel free, by the way, to let us know who is your good and bad the ugly throughout the week, even if it's just, oh, dear God, this is ugly. All right, well, why don't we go ahead and uh, take a moment and, and blow the save? All right, so uh, we 
talked about it last week. We talked about uh, the issues where everyone was losing their mind over foreign substances. Uh, and, and that looks like Major League Baseball has now decided to crack down on it in the best way that Major League Baseball can, which is being passive aggressive about it. So um, they are, uh, in essence, going to go out there you know, periodically when the umpires feel like checking it out uh, and see if there's potentially foreign substances, if they so determine to do so. Um, and, you know, if, if there is a matter where they come across someone that uh, is using a foreign substance, obviously they're going to be kicked out of the game. Uh, they're going to be suspended for 10 games with pay, with pay. Um, and uh, they're going to... Yeah, they're not minor leaguers, Scott. Of course right. they'll be paid. And, and they're going to get shamed is the best way to describe it. So, um, look, um, I, I, I still don't feel like this is that big of a deal. I know there's a lot of folks out there that really uh, feel like this is a big deal. I know Eno Saris and uh, Brittany Girola have been actually been posting about this uh, rampantly. And, you know, good for them. Like I said, I, I, I understand there, there's a passion there that there is a lot of um, concern as it relates to spin rates and everything like that, too. Um, I, 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 again, I'm coming back to the point of I feel like this is still overblown. And I feel like Major League Baseball is doing something about it because, in essence, they heard it and it got loud enough. And they're like, well, we got to do something. But... I really feel like the approach that Major League Baseball is doing here is um, classic steroids era, where it's just like, well, we're going to try to do something, but we're not going to do something directly against it. So, I, I mean, what you just said was really interesting, because I, I think that this is an attempt to not have the steroids era over again, where it got so awful that eventually, after celebrating all the dingers you know, for 10 years, fans pointed back at Major League Baseball and say, why didn't you do anything, right? So they're, they're trying to thread that needle. I, I will say though that they're they're trying to they're trying to solve a problem without without realizing that the the problem that they're solving is there to solve another problem. And that is the baseballs, right? right? The baseball grip, the the slickness of the baseball is something that these players are trying to get around. And so because I think, the baseball changes every single year. Right. The, the baseball needs to be consistent with its balls between the minor league system and the major league system. They need to be consistent from year to year, and they need to have a ball that you can grip and control without hurting the batters. And if you can provide that, well, then yes, let's talk about le not getting an unfair advantage. Sure. But the real question here is how far over the line are pitchers going to make sure that they can solve a problem that major league baseball refuses to address, and then in going over the line, how far are we going to accept it? I don't. I feel until we we address the ball quality issue, correct, that we can't really deal with the quote unquote cheating. I, I agree with you, and again, I think this is that passive aggressive basis, which is you're ignoring the inherent problem, which is you don't have a really good control of your game and one of the piece of equipment that is necessary for your game. And until you actually get a better handle for that, you're you're done. Would you would you say that baseball is a necessary equipment for the game of baseball? Uh, we would have to ask uh, Fred Manfra, and he may disagree with us, honestly, or uh, cease and desist us in the process as well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Jake, that um, this seems like... Um, it, it, I, I, I hear what you're saying in regards to they're trying to get ahead of it, but it's kind of like going to a drama cast party and being like, hey, guys... There shouldn't be any alcohol here, but if we don't see alcohol, it's going to be okay. I feel, I feel very, very attacked right now. Very attacked right now. But just like a Jake Mintz article, you feel very spoken to at this given moment. <laughs> All right. We've covered a lot of ground here. Baseballs, illegal substances, making fun of theater kids. Absolutely. And that, that is our show. That is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birdseyeview is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. If there's another platform that you want us to put it on, let us know. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can find us uh, on the emails if you want to. We're at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can uh, get us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fun adieu adieu.
good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. We managed to talk about slick balls without crossing the line. Twice. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.